Hey, all right. Welcome to the Friendly Neighborhood Sports Show. I'm your host, Raj. Um, it's been a been a couple days. Um, I think last time I put up an episode was probably like late last week, so we're almost going on a week. I'm recording this on Wednesday, uh, February 13th. Um, so just a quick wrap up. We got a lot of things we're gonna get into. We got a, not a lot of things. We got a couple things we're gonna get into. I'm trying to make it quick and fast. Is there other things to do today? Um, there were some fights, but first let's go let's dive right into football. Let's dive right into what just happened not too long ago, which was Joe Flacco was traded to the Broncos. Now, I'm 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 I don't recall ever mentioning that possibility before, but if you ask anybody who like knows me, like, and has spoken to me, like I guess I guess you could say off the record about football, I've told several people. When I saw the whole Lamar Jackson thing going, on. first of all, when 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 the Bronco, when the when the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson at number thirty-two, immediately that told me they're understanding what everyone keeps pointing at. Everyone kept keeps pointing at there's something wrong with your offense. There is no reason why you have a Super Bowl MVP. You've got decent, not the greatest, but decent talent at receiver. You got one of the best defenses in the league, and you struggle to get to the postseason. The Bears, well. I'm saying this now, like, saying this now, looking back to then, but you look at the Bears now, the Bears had the best defense in the league. Their offense was, it was okay. It was okay, at best. Um, Mitch Trubisky was, you know, he had, he, has, he, has some, he had some highlights, he had some decent plays, made, it, made some moves on the feet, stuff like that, but wasn't anything exciting. Um, Jordan Howard had some shining, some shining games. Not a lot, not as many as I expected, but it was good. Tariq Cohen, if anything, was was the player for the year for them. Um, did his thing on, on almost in almost every game. Trey Burton wasn't as great of a wasn't as good of a tight end as I thought he was going to be for the team. He had a like one or two good games, but wasn't really that big X factor that I thought he'd be under Matt Nagy. Allen Robinson, um, just as I suspected, I didn't trust him. Like when I was doing fantasy drafts, you know, I would see people draft Allen Robinson. I did one draft where I accidentally drafted Allen Robinson. And uh, I had someone tell me, oh, no, you're going to be fine. Al Robinson's going to kill it. No, he's not. And I knew he wasn't. He had a couple of good games. That was it. Um, battled injuries, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, yeah, he wasn't great. Um, and I kind of saw that coming. That offense wasn't spectacular. But at the same time, second-year Mr. Bisky, Trey Burton, who was a number two tight end and uh, maybe a borderline number three. In, uh, in in Philly, depending on how you look at Brent Selleck behind Zach Ertz. Um, Tariq Cohen's always kind of been just a change of pace guy. So we didn't, weren't sure what was going to happen there. We figured since it was Matt Nagy coming from Kansas City, doing what he did with Tyreek Hill and the other running backs, you figure, okay, he's going to want to utilize this speedster behind the, the field. And, uh, and Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, you know, expected a little bit more, to be honest. Um, but it was the defense that, that showed up in surprise, right? You look at the Ravens, the Ravens, if anything, should every year be, you know, a wild card team at the very least. <clears throat> they should never not be making the wild card when you look at their team. When you look at the fact that they have, a, like I said, a Super Bowl MVP. They have the best quarterback who's, who's never been drafted, who's never been selected to a Pro Bowl. Let that sink in. I just, I, I literally was just reading about this today. I had no idea. Um, this the yet so this quarter and his quarterback he's for some for some for some way somehow always finds a guy who can get open 
40, 45, 50 yards deep. Um, the defense that has been phenomenal. I know a lot of people have been, you know, a lot of people point at the fact that, you know, well, since Ray Rice, he hasn't had a running back. But <clears throat> I agree. <clears throat> I agree, but, you know, I've seen teams get it done with a running back up by committee. And I've seen the Ravens have the opportunity to go get themselves that running back. Um, so I can't really say that, you know, oh, you know, they haven't had a running back. Yeah, well, what have you done about that, though? You haven't done anything about that. You had a chance to get LeGarrette Blunt. You didn't get LeGarrette Blunt. You know, I mean, we are, we're, all pretty, we're all pretty much aware that Marshawn was going to go to uh, Oakland regardless of anything. But still, he was there. Um, there was opportunities for them at running back, and they just kind of just didn't, they, they just didn't really capitalize on it, you know, whether it was in the draft or whether it was in the free agency pool. You know, I remember DeMarco Murray was a free agent between, uh, I believe he was a free agent between, what's it called, between Philly and Tennessee. You mean to tell me DeMarco Murray wasn't going to kill it on the Ravens? Yeah, sure, he had, he had a, a bumpy season with uh, Philly, but well, if we look back now to then, we know that, okay, well, that entire time, Chip Kelly just wasn't getting it right. He was rushing everything. <clears throat> he didn't want to get things, you know, at a pace. He wanted to just run straight to the finish line. And it's like, no, 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 relax. Um, but a guy like DeMarco Murray would have really helped out the uh, the Ravens, especially since coming out of Philly, he his price tag lowered immensely. Um, but so, yeah, so when it comes to the Bronco, I mean, when it comes to the Ravens, I think like you saying Broncos instead of Ravens, but it's just because of, you know, it's a new team for Joe Flacco. But so when it comes to the Ravens, when I saw them draft Lamar Jackson, I kind of knew like that was the tell what I, I said to everyone, I said, okay, here's what's going to happen. It's either Joe Flacco gets injured midway through the year because he, he normally does do that. I mean, no offense, but normally he gets injured midway through the season. So either he's going to get injured midway through the season, Lamar Jackson has to come in, and he's going to show off. Or Joe Flacco is going to suck midway through the season because we see that too. He's going to suck midway through the season. They're going to need wins now, and they're going to have no choice but to turn and say, hey, Lamar, we need you to get in there. Um, no RG3. It's going to be Lamar. Um, and it was either going to be one of those two scenarios, or they were just never going to start Lamar Jackson at all. And by next season, through preseason and stuff like that, then they'll bring in Lamar Jackson. Um, because you're not going to draft that rookie quarterback for no reason at, in the first round. If there was anybody, if there was any Ravens fan who didn't think Lamar Jackson was going to be the was going to be in the starting position by the end of the year, you you, you must love Joe Flacco. You, you must really love Joe Flacco. Because look, Joe Flacco is a talented quarterback, but I feel like his days as 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 a top five kind of guy are behind him, and it sucks to say. You know, because this is a Super Bowl MVP. This is a guy. This this is a guy who's been there. He's been to the top. You know, stuff like that. He at one point was the highest paid quarterback, but I feel like we look at we look at Joe Flacco now. We kind of see what no one's wanted to admit about a guy like Eli, for instance. This is a guy who you know since that Super Bowl run, he's had a couple good. He's had a, he's had a couple. Other uh, playoff runs, but other than that, it's kind of been for for Joe Flacco. It's kind of been it's either I'm gonna make the playoffs or I'm gonna be a piece of shit and not make the playoffs. And no, we, we can't we we can't do that. Um, if I if I'm the team, I can't do that. I can't I can't work with that. I need some consistency. 
Like, look, even if we don't make the playoffs, I'd rather we don't make the playoffs with a winning record and it was just that close of a race as opposed to we had no shot at all from the get-go. We had no shot at all. I don't know. I don't got time for that, especially if I have the best defense, one of the best defenses in the league. One of the most, one of the best, most consistent defenses in the league because Jaguars showed up out of nowhere last year with, with, with the best defense in the league. The Chicago Bears showed up this year out of nowhere with the best defense in the league. The, the Eagles, two, three years ago, kind of showed up out of nowhere with one of the best defenses in the league. Someone's backing up their truck outside my house and I can hear it. Um, I, if, if you hear it on the uh, podcast, you hear the beep, 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 I, I'm sorry. Okay, stop. Anyways, um, where was I? Um, yeah, so like a lot of teams have kind of just like shown up out of nowhere with these, you know, top 10 type defenses. The Ravens have consistently always been a top 10 defense. Um, so when you have that, you know, you have a Super Bowl MVP, you're, you're desperately trying to put receivers around him. And now this year, you even say, you know what, fuck it, we're going to give you a whole new receiving core. We're going to give you a whole new receiving core, you know, Michael Crabtree, John Brown, Willie Sneed. These are, you know, three guys who have all played with some decent quarterbacks. John Brown probably played with, you know, the not-so-greatest quarterback of the three. Willie Sneed got to play with Drew Brees, and Michael Crabtree played with Colin Kaepernick, Alex Smith, and um, Derek Carr, when Derek Carr was really shining. Um, but these guys are at least good enough, you know? They, sh- they should help you out. And uh, you made some offensive plays, but you didn't make, you didn't, get us enough wins, and then you got hurt, stuff like that, and it's like, you know, it, it just is what it is, you know, once once I saw Lamar Jackson come in, excuse me, and take that leading role, I, I immediately, I, I, you kind of figure, like, okay, well, what's gonna, okay, this is gonna happen, but now I kind of got, I have to look for, even though I, I'm, I, I want to look at football right now, I need to look forward in football, and ask the question, what happens with Joe Flacco, and I had said the same thing I said about Nick Foles with Joe Flacco. It, it hit the perfect destination for Joe Flacco would have been the Broncos or the Jaguars. Um, I'll, get into, I'll get into the Broncos. The Jaguars, because that's a team that, you know, you enter that team, you, you already have one of the best defenses in the league. If Leonard Fournette can stay healthy, you have one of the better running backs in the league. Um, the receiving core needs work. They can sign a, a guy here or there. Um, if anything, I feel like the Jaguars are going to be one of those teams who are going to be in the bidding for Golden Tate to make themselves more attractive to, um, other quarterbacks, I guess you could say, to like, to like, you know what I'm saying? Like to make their offense seem better. If, you know, if they're not able to get a new quarterback, at least give something for Blake slash Cody Kessler. Um, but yeah, those are the two teams that I felt like were the best destination for Blake, for, for Joe Flacco, because in a sense, you kind of give him what he had before. If he ends up on the Broncos, you give him, you know, a defensive team with a stud running back, um, Emmanuel Sanders, one of the best slot, who a guy who turned into one of the best slot receivers in the league when they transitioned the slot most of the year this year, um, and a couple good young rookie receivers who are big enough to get down the field and manhandle a catch or two. I mean, a catch or two. Manhandle a couple of good catches for you. Um, so, like, with the Broncos, like, that's not the this that's not like a spitting image of the Ravens from a couple of years ago, but that's a good comparison. 
And you look at that team, you look at the Broncos, you look at the situation they've been in. I'm gonna get into it first, and I'm gonna get into it in a second. But the basis of it is that they have struggled to find their quarterback since Peyton Manning left. They've struggled to settle on a quarterback since then. Um, but mean all the meanwhile, they've had Demarius Thomas. At the time, they had Demarius Thomas, Mayo Sanders. You know, they were figuring out their running back situation. You know, they they had one of the best defenses in the league. Now this past year, yeah, they trade Demarius Thomas, but going into this next year, you got Emmanuel Sanders. You know, yeah, he's coming off an injury, but still fucking Emmanuel Sanders. I've I've seen Emmanuel Sanders come off injuries before and still be Emmanuel Sanders. You got some rookie receivers who are looking like they can they can be studs. They can. They, I'm not saying they're going to be top of the line, but they're they're gonna they're gonna make some noise. You've got a a young running back in Philip Lindsay who, if he can keep his calm, because I've seen him have games where he's just a little too aggressive. If he can keep his calm, um, don't make the young the young rookie mistakes that a lot of young running backs make in the sense of you know, you run too hard, stuff like that. You get yourself injured. If he doesn't make those mistakes, he'll be good. He's coming off an injury too, but if he can if he can stay away from being too aggressive, he'll do well. He'll do really well. Um, and. Uh, you also have just that that powerhouse defense, who also they they can use some work. They they could use a safety maybe. They could use some safety help, maybe an extra line, maybe another linebacker. But outside of that, they're still that's still the orange crush. You know what I'm saying? Like that's 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 still a that that's still a, that's still a defense that for the most part won the Super Bowl. Um. So for a guy like Joe Flacco, yeah, that's the destination, and you know. He's there now, which only means for Nick Foles, um, I can only see the Eagles trading him if they're gonna if they're gonna trade. I'm not sure if there's gonna be a trade or if it's gonna be him leaving the team and being able to sign. But either way, um, I doubt they're gonna want to do Nick Foles dirty. I doubt they're gonna want to send him to a team where they can get draft picks, but he's gonna want to be in the backup. I'm pretty sure they're gonna want to treat him right and send him to a team that. You know he'll actually get to play. That team, the 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 biggest the biggest name of the of that possible team would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, because I mean yeah, like I've heard rumors that. Oh excuse me. Oh no, I'm yawning. I've heard rumors that um. The Cardinals are interested in trading away Josh Rosen because they want to they, they they want a new quarterback. But I mean they have the number one pick. They have the number one pick in the in the, in the draft. They're going to trade Josh Rosen. They're going to trade Josh Rosen so they can draft a quarterback, not so they can go trade for a quarterback. Um, so I feel like it makes the most sense that Nick Foles by next year is a Jacksonville Jaguar. Um, and that'll be interesting to see because it'll be interesting to see, okay, so is it just the fact that you were under these perfect systems when you were the backup for Alex Smith in Kansas City you know, you were under Andy Reid, and you had, you know, I think he played one game, one or two games, and he actually did pretty well. You know, and then he goes to Philly, comes back to Philly to play under Doug Peterson, and you know, gets his shots as the backup quarterback, and actually was a Super Bowl stuff like that. Is it only because of those systems that you were able to manufacture that, I guess you could say, greatness for that time being, or are you actually that good? Have you actually developed? Do we blame Jeff Fisher for not being able to make you? you know, that quarterback? Like, is it because of him that you couldn't become that, that type of quarterback? Because if that's the case, I could see that. I could see, I could easily see that. Because 
I've seen Case Keenum do significantly better even on the Broncos. And on the Broncos, he didn't make the playoffs. He didn't do too well, but he was significantly better as, as a Bronco than he was as a St. Louis Ram. Um, so, you know, is it the fact that you've grown? The fact that you've always been that good? You were just in a poor system before when people got to see you as a starting quarterback? Or is it is it a system kind of thing? Because if it's a system kind of thing, then if I, I fear for his chances as a Jacksonville Jaguar because... I that that's, that's not a team that I see as a as an as an offensive kind of. I don't think that team's ever going to be an offensive team for quite a while, unless they draft or what, stumble upon a quarterback who forces them to become that offensive schemed um, team. Um, you know, most teams they they you know they point to what they're best at. If you're if you're if you're best at defense, then okay, let's 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 really let's really make this the thing. If you're best at offense, okay, let's let's really help this thing out. You know. Um, stuff like that. Um, so, all in all, I feel like the the the, the ideal. Okay, I go fucking yell it again. This is not good for recording. So yeah, so I feel like the ideal the ideal spot for Nick for Nick Foles would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and it's crazy because like, my so I mentioned it before like on like the first episode I think like my oldest brother is a Broncos fan, and my second oldest brother is a Ravens fan. So that's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because I've experienced, like, Peyton Manning, we let him go. As, as, as a Colts fan, the Colts let, let Peyton Manning go, and then I had to see Peyton Manning go play with my oldest brother's team and win a Super Bowl and stuff like that. Now, you know, the second oldest brother, you know, his, you know, his team's quarterback, Joe Flacco, gets traded to oldest brother's team. So it's a funny dynamic that, that, that we're going to have next season. But my oldest brother was saying, you know, that he didn't, that he would have preferred that the uh, the Broncos stay very far away from Nick Foles. We're not interested. He was not interested in Nick Foles whatsoever. His argument was that, you know, Nick Foles had a chance as a starting quarterback and didn't do too well. Um, and I and I've always disagreed with him because, and like I've already said, like I've always disagreed because I feel like um, Nick Foles. Look, I'm not the same way. I'm not gonna judge. DeMarco Murray off of that one year with Chip Kelly because let's face it when he went to Tennessee it's a whole different DeMarco Murray from what was seen in Philly it's a whole different player whole different player you know um like we've like Nelson Aguilar his first year wasn't too great his, 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 the next year you know they, they, they switch up the scheme for Nelson Aguilar put him in a slot completely different guy much better player significantly better player there's just some players who don't work in a certain, a certain system. That's just a fact. You know, we see it time and time again. Look, Amari Cooper is a fantastic receiver. This is a perfect. This is another perfect example. Amari Cooper is a, is a fantastic receiver. Um, past year and a half with the Raiders wasn't too good. With John Gruden, you could obviously tell John Gruden did not have faith in him. Trades him to the Cowboys for a first-round pick. Everyone's like, what the fuck? They gave up a first-round pick? For fucking Amari Cooper, who's got like one of the most, like probably the highest drop rate in the NFL. Are you fucking kidding me? And what happens? He becomes a fucking stud. You look at him on the Cowboys and you think, fuck, what would have happened if he played for them all year long? What would have happened if they had him since week one? And what happened was you gave Dak, you finally gave Dak Prescott a true number one receiver amongst all these number twos, right? This is what happens. You know, you got players who in one system, piece of shit. The next system, they do pretty fucking well. Um, 
or even vice versa. One system, they do pretty fucking well. They go to the next system. Systems don't work for them. And they fucking suck. You know, like, it's just, it's kind of just the way football kind of plays out every now and again, you know? It's kind of just the way football plays out from time to time. Um, even Alan Hearns. Alan Hearns on, on, on Jacksonville was a pretty decent wide receiver. He goes to the Cowboys um, and doesn't really do good at all. Even when Amari Cooper comes in and takes some pressure off, still doesn't really do good at all. Um, it's just kind of the way it is. I mean, for fuck's sake. For, are we, is no one going to look at the fact that Jared Goff, his rookie year, was fucking terrible. Terrible. Played alongside Case Keenum. Fucking terrible. Next year, gets to play with Sean McVay. The past two years, played with Sean McVay. And if you ask me, if I'm being completely honest, I'll take Jared Goff over Case Keenum any fucking day of the week. Jared Goff, under this Sean McVay system, is a significantly better quarterback. Significantly better quarterback. It's just that it is what it is. Tom Brady in college was, you know, was coming into the NFL as a relatively nobody. And he's even admitted himself. Yeah, he wasn't that good in college. It wasn't until he got to the NFL, he finally got his first start, that he, you know, kind of hit a growth spurt, you know, in sports. You know, he kind of, he you know, was a late bloomer. Under this new system, under this new uh, regime, under this, under this, you know, better coaching and stuff like that, Tom Brady was able to, be, was able to become the greatest of all time. Um, now, I'm not saying that, you know, he's only, be, he's only become that because of the, the coaching and whatnot, but, you know, w- one could make the assumption that, you know, Tom Brady, you know, becomes Tom Brady because of, you know, having Bill Belichick around him and having that, that kind of leadership near him, um, that, that mentor, that teacher with him. Because when you look at him before that, it didn't look like he would become a starting quarterback for anybody. That's a fa- that's a fair statement. That's a fair statement. In college, no one was drafting him. Bill Belichick, the fucking Patriots, drafted him. Bill Belichick eventually one day makes him the starter, and they start winning championships. Okay, so you could say the same for either or. You could say Tom Brady helped make Belichick better, or Belichick helped make Brady better. The, the fact of the matter is, at one point, Brady sucked. The next point, Brady is a GOAT. At one point, Jared Goff sucks. At the next point, Jared Goff is not a GOAT, but he's really good. You know, it happens. It happens with a lot of players. So when it comes to Nick Foles, I can't blame Nick Foles for what happened with the St. Louis Rams because I don't remember a single quarterback who did anything beneficial with the St. Louis Rams. Like, I don't remember a single quarterback who benefited off of being, from, from being on that team. Um, so to any Broncos fans who doubted Nick Foles' uh, potential, look, let's be honest. Um, aside from the fact that Joe Flacco has actually been the starting quarterback for the Ravens, you know, for several years straight, if you look at the, the biggest highlight for Nick Foles and Joe Flacco, how is it any different? What's the difference between the two quarterbacks? in their play style and the way they in in their biggest career cuz you're not going to say Joe Flacco's biggest career highlight was the year after he won the Super Bowl when he was a highest paid quarterback no you're not going to say the biggest career highlight for Nick Foles was when he threw the seven touchdowns no cuz not even he would say that the biggest career highlights for both guys is when they won the Super Bowl and if you're asking me 
they had the same route to the Super Bowl. They each, at, in those years, had one of the best defenses in the league. Ravens obviously had a significantly better defense that year than, than, in my opinion, than the Eagles had two years ago. But still, they had one of the best defenses in the league. They had, you know, this quarterback who, yeah, in, in Eagles' case, it was, it was, it was the unlikeliest of, of cases that they actually get to the Super Bowl. For the Ravens, it was, if you judge it off of the quarterback, it wasn't too likely that they made it to the Super Bowl. Because that year, no one was thinking that Joe Flacco would be in the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl. You know, no one, no one saw that coming. Um, but I mean, if anything, for the for the for the Ravens, it was just a little more foreseeable, being the fact that they had such a dominant defense. Whereas with the Eagles, they had yeah, they had a, they had a really good defense. Um, their offense really good, but yeah, now they're playing on a different quarterback. But whatever. Either way, both guys play the same type of way. You can't tell me they don't. They're two guys who. Big guys, big tall guys, strong dudes, crazy arm strength, crazy accuracy, are able to manage the field, get the ball down the field and you know, quicker than most. The smart quarterbacks seen enough, you know what I mean? Play with some great defense, play with a with a pretty great defense every day in training to be able to know how to com- combat these opposing defenses and both guys beat Brady. Both guys beat Brady on their on their trails to, to, to victory and triumph. So I don't know at this at this point, if I'm being completely honest, I would say that based on the past two years, Nick Foles is the better quarterback than Joe Flacco, based on the fact that when the past two years he's won a Super Bowl, and even this year when he had to come in out of nowhere, still took him to still took him to the playoffs. They were they were a team that was unlikely to make the playoffs with Carson Wentz. Nick Foles steps in, takes them to the playoffs. Yeah, they don't make it all the way, but no one expected them to. Like, unlike last unlike last year, no one expected them to go all the way this year. Last year, yeah, it was it was it was unlikely. It, it, I mean, I won't say unlikely. It wasn't guaranteed, but I mean shit, you you still recognize the fact that well when they had Carson once, they were the Super Bowl favorite. You know what I mean? Like you still look you still recognize and look at that. Um So I feel like uh if there's any like Broncos fans or any football fans in general out there who who don't think who think that Nick Foles would have been the worst possible choice, look, man, the Broncos are the same team that drafted Brock Osweiler, drafted Trevor Simeon, drafted Paxton Lynch, and signed Case Keenum. How far worse could you possibly fucking go? And if I'm being honest, that's the only, that's that, that I want to get and I want to now transition to this. A nice little, you know, a nice little, a nice little segue over to my next topic, which is, how is the situation gonna go with um, Joe Flacco? I like, I think, I don't, okay, let me let me let me stop. I don't like Joe Flacco. I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest Joe Flacco fan. You know, I don't always call Joe Flacco Joe Fluco, but at times I will call him Joe Fluco because he shows it. Let's be honest, he shows it. Um, there are times where he reminds me. I don't want to say of, of Eli, but almost. Eli is a quarterback who the Giants, for the longest, have refused to let go of, because I don't know if it's an image thing or what, but they just don't want to let go of Eli. The reason I, I think the reason why. Um, so for the past several years, Eli's been one of those quarterbacks who. Um, well, no, let me just put it this way: you know your quarterback is getting up there in age and is and is about ready to hit their. Their um their end when 
over the course of a couple of years, this specific quarterback every year has maybe two or three good games. But the rest of the year, they stink it up. They're fucking trash. Pieces of shit. Garbage. No one respects them. There aren't any defenses that are scared of them. Only games they can win is probably like the division games. Stuff like that. The division games are unlikely, you know, other unlikely conference games or something like that. That I, f- I feel like that's when you know that your quarterback is not, cannot c- continue being your quarterback. Because they only have two, three good games a year. Now, you tell me how many games a year does Eli have in the past, let's say, three, four years. Spoiler alert, maybe two or fucking three. It's Eli's time to go. It's just no one wants to admit it. No one wants to admit that it's Eli's time to go, right? So when I look at Joe Flacco, I kind of see him. When I saw when, I, when, he, when he was on the, the, the Ravens, he, he wasn't he wasn't that don't get, he was not that quarterback. He had more than just two or three good games a year with the Ravens since their Super Bowl run um, during their years where they were making the playoffs. But Joe Flacco. With the Ravens being in that same scenery, not the, the I guess the faculty not not really getting to the punch, knowing they want a younger quarterback but not biting on it. Um, he was he, he it was only a matter of time until he becomes that quarterback, until he becomes that kind of guy. Um, Joe Flacco, like I'm trying, I, I don't want to like I don't want to like disrespect him too much, but. Joe Flacco's like Carson Palmer, okay? Carson Palmer um, has had like, he, when he was on the Cardinals, he had like, what, I want to say like two years maybe, maybe two and a half years, where he, he, that team was amazing. That team, in my, in my opinion, those two, three years that, like, that Carson Palmer was doing his thing with Bruce Arians and the way that offense was working with fucking Larry Fitzgerald and all that, um, the running back situation, like the, like the, like the, the rain, the, like the running back situation wasn't the greatest, but they had a nice little committee going on. When they had that, their defense was spectacular. Carson Palmer was in that, in that consistency, in my opinion, he was amongst a team that was favored to at least make it to like an NFC championship on those two, three years. Right. Um, but Carson Palmer has always been the kind of quarterback who, you know, in a 16-game season, he'll have 10 really, really good games. The other six, they, they get tossed up in the air based on injury or based on, you know, regression, whatever it is, you know. That's Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, in my opinion, um, since, since winning the Super Bowl, has had years where he can have these anywhere between eight to 11 really good games. And then the other, you know, you know, five or eight, five to eight games, it's either regression or he's injured that time. Um, and so it's kind of like a toss up. And so because of that, you know, I kind of look at, you know, what John always doing here. And it's like, when you, when, when, when the, when the Broncos went and signed Peyton Manning, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, people who doubt, okay, is, is Brady, I mean, is Peyton going to come back and, be Peyton, but overall, you're kind of like, yeah, he is. Like, he's gonna, yeah, he'll be back. He'll be fine. Like, worst case scenario, they, they go eleven and five a couple times, which wasn't the case. They they had, 
I think I, they had what? I think they had back-to-back 12 game, 12 wins uh, seasons. I think they won a lot of games, and they kind of did what they wanted to do. Um, but again, this was this was you drafting. This was you signing a guy who, the year before that injury, was 12 and four. Um, the years before that injury was, you know, MVPs and he had MVPs, he had Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVPs, you know, he was, he was killing it, you know, several playoff appearances. Whereas, you know, now like, yeah, you're getting a guy who does have a, a former Super Bowl MVP. He's been to Super Bowl. Um, but there's a reason why he is coming to your team. There's a reason why he was traded to your team. It's because the team that he was being traded from found a younger, better guy. Um, or at least better right now. Um, and like you had to, you had to, you had to, you have to acknowledge that. You can't just let that go unnoticed. You have to acknowledge the fact that, okay, John Elway, you're getting, you're getting a former Super Bowl MVP. Okay. Um, but let's, 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 let's look at, let's look at the obvious. This is a guy who midway through the season lost his job to a rookie. Okay. Um, he's never been to the Pro Bowl. Never has won a yearly MVP. Um, on top of that, um, his playoff appearances since winning the Super Bowl have been highly inconsistent. Because before before he won the Super Bowl, I mean that that Super Bowl year that he that was his fifth consecutive time going to the playoffs, and I think that was like a record for a for a quarterback in his first five years. Um, and we're what? I'm pretty sure we're like we're like five years later, or <laughs> at least. <laughs> Um, and he, his playoff appearances have been highly inconsistent. His 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 playing ability has been a, a tad bit inconsistent. Um, what do you think you're really getting out of this? You know, that's that's my question to you know to any you know Broncos fan. And like, of course, I'm looking for an answer. If you like, don't give me an answer because I'm gonna figure it out. Either this episode, or I'll figure out the, figure out the next episode. Um, but anyways. Um, yeah, it's kind of that question of like, what are you getting? What I think John always looking at is, I think John, I don't think John always stupid. I think he can admit that he has had a very horrible track record recently with the quarterbacks that he's had since Peyton. Um, you know, what was it? He had Brock, and I, I think after that Super Bowl year, Brock left and went to the Texans, and then he sucked over there, and then he went to the Brown, the Brown, and he sucked over there, and then he comes back to the, uh, to the Broncos, and he sucks in the Broncos. You draft Trevor Simeon, Trevor Simeon, he fucking sucked. You draft Paxton Lynch, he fucking sucked. You signed Case Keenum, and, you know, he wasn't good. You know, I, I, he was okay. You know, he definitely wasn't good. Nowhere near great for you. Um, and then even Case Keenum, you know, you draft, you draft, you trade for Joe Flacco, and now there's those rumors that Case Keenum might be on the block as well. The reason why I think this is the case is because I feel like the the, the Broncos... I'm not sure what pick they have in the draft. I'm about to check right now. The Broncos, I believe, have a pretty high draft pick, and I think the Broncos are hopeful that they can actually, you know, draft a decent quarterback. Let me take a look. I think uh, the Broncos are pretty confident that they can draft a quarterback. Let's see. I'm gonna keep talking while I look for this. Um, but yeah, I think I think the, I think the the, the Broncos are 
I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos trade Case Keenum. Um, it's just a matter of where you're going to trade him. Um, if they do trade him, this is another guy who could end up on the Jaguars. This is a guy who could end up on the Cardinals. If the Cardinals say, you know, yeah, they like Josh Rosen, but they need another, you know, kind of guy to turn to that's not named Sam Bradford. Um, because then you could trade for, for for Case Keenum. You could have Case Keenum, Josh Rosen. You 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 kind of give Josh Rosen that the sense of okay, I gotta fight for my job now. You also give Josh Rosen the sense of you know, I got someone I can learn from. While also instead of drafting a quarterback, you can draft some defensive players, which there are plenty of in this year's draft. Um, the Broncos this year they have the number ten pick in the draft now. In my opinion, I think the drop the Broncos should draft defensively, especially like a like a corner or something like that. Um, but if they're looking to trade Case Keenum, it's either gonna be for, you know, another draft pick just to beef up on their defense, beef up on offense, or so that they can make room to tra- to draft a young quarterback. I, in all honesty, don't know who could who they could get. That makes sense at number 10. I mean, the way I see it, unless uh, unless the Jaguars end up getting Nick Foles or you actually do trade Case Keenum to the Jaguars, like let's say I get the Jaguars some way, somehow, before the, before the, before the uh, draft day, they manage to get a quarterback who analysts can look at and say, okay, you can work with that. Then I could see the Jaguars not going for a guy like Drew Locke or someone like that. Or like a Kyler Murray or a Dwayne Haskins or something like that in the uh, in the draft. Um, I think Dwayne Haskins in the draft. I'm not sure to be honest. Um, but if that's the case, if um, let's say it all falls according to plan, in that sense, and the Jaguars get their quarterback, and the 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 rumors of the Lions looking to draft a quarterback in in this year's draft are not true. Than a guy like Drew Locke, who's probably, in my opinion, might be the best, um, the best quarterback in the draft. Um, I like Kyler Murray, but I think Drew Locke is just a little bit better. I think he's more prepared. Um, if a guy like Drew Locke falls at number ten, there's no reason why the Broncos shouldn't take him. Yeah, you sacrifice the possibility of you know adding, you know, you sacrifice the possibility of adding a, a decent defensive tackle, adding a linebacker. Adding a corner, add, adding maybe a safety, but you can get your quarterback, and hopefully, you know, at that point, um, because it's this the free agency this year is going to be stacked defensively. Hopefully, by that point, not all of these defensive players have already been taken away, like a Sean Richardson or you know a Landon Collins or you know someone like that hasn't already been taken out of the free agency pool. Um, so that's interesting. That's an interesting thing all altogether. But and and. Conclusion, Joe Flacco. It's not official yet because they have to wait till, till March thirteenth when the the off. I think when the off season officially begins, but it's pretty official. It's pretty you know official. It's been said. It's been agreed to. Um, Joe Flacco will be a Bronco next year. Case Keenum might not. Um, Lamar Jackson's looking like he's going to be the franchise quarterback for the Ravens, um, and we're going to see what happens with 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 Nick Foles and Case Keenum. I guess in the next, you know, weeks or so. Um, and then outside of that, how much time I got left? I can probably like zoom right through this. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm at 39. Okay. Kareem Hunt. Son of a bitch. Kareem Hunt. Um, 
We all thought he was going to get signed as a kicker. Nope. Gets signed to the to the fucking Browns. Here's the thing, right? Here's what I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand the, 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 the need for Kareem Hunt on the Browns. Look, if a, if a team was going to roll the dice and, and sign a guy as risque as Kareem Hunt is right now, I'll be honest, teams like, you know, because, and, and, and mind you, because of, his, because of how, you know, risky it is to sign him, you're signing him at a cheap price. Teams like the, the Colts I, should have signed him. Not saying, not saying that they would have. I don't, I don't think Chris Ballard would have went anywhere near Kareem Hunt. But <clears throat> if we're under the assumption that all the teams in the NFL were at least thinking about it, the teams that would have made more sense would have been the Colts, um, the, the Ravens, shit, the Raiders, you know. Um, I would say even the Dolphins. Um you see what I'm saying? Like teams that are actually in need of a running back, you know? Teams that actually could use a, a, a true decent... Even the Jets. Teams that could actually use a running back. Um, if anything, the Jets and the, and the Colts would have made the most sense because you have all this cap room. You're getting a guy who, yeah, he's not, he's not as good as Le'Veon Bell in my opinion, but he's really fucking good. He's a really good running back. Um, he'll work out really well in your system. Um, and you're getting him at a cheap price. You're pretty much getting a guy who is almost as good as Le'Veon sign- 10 times cheaper. 10 times cheaper. Um, for the Browns' case, what the fuck do you need? Now it gets to the point where now it's like, okay, now, now you're just kind of being greedy and you're kind of falling back into your stupidity. Um, if he does play, look, if he does play, I could be wrong, right? I could be wrong and they could have like the perfect situation set up. He probably makes the team better. Excuse me. Probably makes the team better. Um, I just don't think it makes sense because now, you know, what's wrong with Nick Chubb? What's wrong with Nick Chubb? You traded Carlos Hideaway, made Nick Chubb your starter, and he really did well. What's wrong with Nick Chubb? What's so bad about about him? Okay, yeah, so he wasn't, you know, he wasn't in 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 the talks for Rookie of the Year. Okay, what else? What else is wrong with him? Oh, well, you know, he didn't, he didn't. He wasn't top 10 amongst all the other running backs. Okay. Who gives a fuck? Who cares? He played. He did well. You don't need that top 10 running back right now. What you need to do is get another receiver for, for Baker Mayfield. Because, yeah, he did well with the guys he had. With, you know, Brashad Perriman and uh, Callaway and uh, Jarvis Landry and, and, and you know, and uh, Njoku and whatnot. He did good with that. But, I mean, Jarvis Landry for, for a bit of a while was not really doing much. You know, what 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 you should be doing <clears throat> is beefing up your receiving core. Go get a Devin Funches. Go see if you can talk to talk to Golden Tate. You know, go get these kind of guys to beef up your what your receiving core. Now we're talking. Now you now you're giving Baker something. Now you're giving Baker these guys who can run their routes perfectly, who can get down the field as fast as he wants them to, who can catch better than the other guys. Because let's be honest, outside Jarvis Landry. Outside of Jarvis Landry and David Njoku, a lot of the receivers were not great at catching. Um, Devin Funches, I'm not, I'm not sure if he, if, he, if he has a high drop rate or not, but I've seen him play. He's a really good route runner, and he can catch. He's a big dude. Um, who else? Um, Golden Tate. For fuck's sake, Golden Tate. 
I've seen Golden Tate make the make the most stupidest catches I've ever seen. The, the most ridiculous catches I've ever seen. One of the one one of the best slot, top five slot slot receiver in the league right now. You know, like that, like these are guys that you can work with. You don't need Kareem Hunt. You don't need that attention. You don't need to bring that attention to the team. It's not necessary. Because all you do is that you discourage Nick Chubb, who I'm sure was expecting, you know, walking into the new year thinking, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the starter. Stuff like that. Um, you don't you don't need Kareem Hunt. You don't need him on the team. He's not necessary. He's got, he's got, he does nothing for you. He does nothing for you than just make the team look a little stressful, you know, from a from the perspective of, you know, so you're going to go sign this guy who kicked the girl, who beat the shit out of a girl in a, in a hotel hallway? Regardless of, you know, regardless of anyone's opinion on, you know, on how they view the situation or whether they, th- they thought it was, it was okay, you know, it wasn't that bad or, you know, oh, no, it was fucked up. But regardless of anything like that, at the end of the day, it's bad publicity. It's bad publicity no matter what. Whether, you know, what he did was wrong or what he did, you know, yeah, it was wrong, but, you know... You know, um, it wasn't as bad as people seem. You know, no matter how you look at it, no matter how you opinion, no matter no matter what your opinion is on it, it's bad publicity for a team that does not need any more bad publicity. You already had enough bad bad publicity with Josh Gordon. You already had enough bad publicity with with uh, Johnny Manziel in a couple years ago. You already had you know some bad publicity when you got Hugh Jackson being fired and Baker Mayfield is you know Baker Mayfield along with all the other players, are making, you know, I don't want to say obscene gestures, but giving him looks you know, from across the sideline, you know. Uh, I think it was Denzel Ward, I think it was. or I forgot who it was on, on, the, on the defense who caught a pick and purposely runs out, runs out of bounds at the 50-yard line just so they can look and hand the ball off to uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackson. Okay? And then Baker Mayfield, you know, throws, I think he, I think he threw a touchdown and, Goes to jog to the team. Oh, no, he, throw, he throws a big completion. Goes to jog to the team. Turns around and is just staring at Hugh on his way over. Just staring at him. Look at him right in his fucking soul. Right down to his fucking dick. Just looking right into him. Excuse me. But looking right into the motherfucker. It's like, look, if I'm being honest, I, I, those are the kind of things I look at. I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. I'm like, no, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. But if I'm looking at it from the perspective of what's good for your team, Kareem Hunt, not good for your team. You know, it's not good for your team at all, especially since a lot of the media was already bashing your team for the things I just said that you guys were doing. Um, and I just don't think I don't think there's, there's there's a necessity for him in the in the game plan either. Like it's one thing that it's one thing it's one thing for me to not feel like he should be there because of you know publicity's sake, but I also just don't think he needs to be there because for the offense's sake, I don't think he needs to be there at all. You know, so that's how I feel about that. I feel like it kind of doesn't make any sense. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I, I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. And and you know what? You know what, too? Like, I, I, mm. <clears throat> I can tell, like, you know, you, you how am I going to say? You know that, you know, you know that the person you signed wasn't a good decision when the NFL the NFL's Instagram team won't even update the fans about it. Like NFL updates, you know, about, you know, t- 
Texans expected expected to release Demarius Thomas, and Eric Reed's gonna get a contract extension, and and you know, Joe Flacco has been tr- is gonna get traded to uh, the Broncos. You know, you you get <clears throat> you get those types of uh, alerts through the Instagram, but nothing about Kareem Hunt. Nothing. It's Zip it shut, throw the fucking key away. Nothing about Kareem Hunt. You want to know why? Because it makes no fucking sense. It's fucking stupid. The fuck, the whole thing makes no. The you no, know, the NFL isn't is, is not, they're not they're not not putting it up because you know the publicity thing. I'm sure that's one of the reasons. But I'm pretty sure the NFL also knows what the fuck you doing this for. What sense does it make? What do you want? What are you doing? I don't know. I I have. I, I feel fucking very strongly about that, but it's whatever. Um, I think I've covered everything that needs to be covered in, in the football world. Um, I'm going to wrap this up real quick with some MMA stuff. Um, if you watch the fights this past Saturday, there were some really good... There was some. So here's what happened, right? Um, real quick, Robert Whitaker was supposed to defend his belt against Kelvin Gastelum in the main event last Saturday night. And then you have Israel Asanya versus Anderson Silva in the co-main event. Um, Robert, Robert Whitaker, the morning of... The fight, Saturday morning, um, was in the hospital because he had a hernia. He needed to go ahead and have immediate surgery. Emergency surgery, whatever the fuck. He had to have, he had to have surgery immediately. That's pretty much what I'm trying to say. Um, so no more title fight main event. Now Israel Asanya versus Anna Silva gets pushed in the main event. Still three-round fight, whatever. So in my opinion, I thought, oh, well, fuck, thank God. Well, for me, I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be interesting because, I mean, Part of me thinking, well, thank God I didn't pay for it. Other part of me is thinking, I still want to see it, though. Um, so I wound up, you know, going out to see it. You know, I went out to see the fights. Um, saw, them with, saw them with, you know, my dad and my cousin and stuff like that. Um, and I remember I saw Max Holloway tweeting because a lot of people were tweeting like, oh, fuck this, I want my money back, blah, blah, I don't want to see that bullshit. There's no title fight. And Max Holloway, uh, current featherweight champion, um, he's on he's on tw- social media on Twitter saying you know look just give it a chance guys like the fact that the champion is no longer the main event it, it gives other guys a chance to show off so now you're gonna kind of get a chance to see young up and comers which was he was and he was he was so fucking right because that's exactly what we saw we saw a lot of other good really surprisingly good fights on the card so kudos to Max Holloway for calling that um, uh, but the main so going to the main event real quick just so we can get through this real quick. Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva. Look, I I had felt that this was a fight that you know, watching Anderson Silva cry at the at the weigh-ins and you know watching you know his you know the way he was you know walking out to the fight, I kind of felt like this was an Anderson Silva who kind of knew, you know, this fight was sort of in the sense of you know taking old Yeller out to the back, you know, it's time for you to go. It's been a great it's been a great time, but it's time for you to go. And I was listening to another. I was listening to uh, Brendan Schaub, a, a former fighter turned comedian who has a, a MMA podcast. I was listening to him talk about it, and he was kind of. He was saying how you know a lot of these older fighters, you know, they don't know when to retire. They need they need you to retire them, you know. The same way you know they need you to retire them in the way that you know, um, him Brendan Schaub himself, you know, retired, you know, kind of went in there and beat the knocked the bullshit out of. Mirko Krokop and kind of just made him think, okay, I, I probably can't keep doing this at a high level, you know, stuff like that. You know, there's been other fighters who have gotten, who've gotten that type of beating where they just get knocked the fuck. Rashad Evans, 
Uh, if you know who Shad Evans is, he's a former middleweight champ. Or was it? No, he's, I'm sorry. He's a former light heavyweight champ. Um, former light, light heavyweight champ, was it this past year, fought Anthony Smith. Gets knocked the fuck out in the first like minute and a half of the first round. After that, it's just kind of like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. It's one of those things that you kind of got to kind of put them out because this entire time, they're, they're, they don't know when to give up. They're just going to keep going until someone tells them until another fighter they get in the octagon with can tell them to their face that they're done. I thought that's what that's what we're, we're going to see with this uh, with this fight between Israel Israel Asanya and uh and Anderson Silva. I was I wasn't wrong. I still don't think that Anderson can perform at the at the highest of levels. But if you hand him a, if you hand him a guy that he knows is only going to be striking him, and so he's forced then to up his game. Holy shit! I also do feel like most of this fight. Um, it could have been. I got cut off for a second, but what I was, but I, what I was saying was, um, uh, what should I call it? Uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like in this fight, you know, Anderson Silva was fighting a guy who respected him, maybe just a little bit too much. Um, and so because of that, um, he was you know kind of left with a lot of openings and stuff like that. Um, because I feel like otherwise, like there, I mean, he don't get me wrong, he was. He was really fast in this fight. Yeah, his his timing, his quickness was. It was on point. It's just he was fighting a guy who kind of carries the same thing, the same kind of quickness, the same kind of IQ. A guy who is such a fan that he's an uber fan. He kind of knows all the moves that Anderson Silva has up his up his sleeve. You know, Israel Asanya all week long have been constantly talking about, you know, the fact that. Um. The fact that um, he's seen all of Anderson's fights, he knows what Anderson's gonna be doing. You know, like he knows what what certain gestures mean, what stuff like that. So, but I feel like because Israel knew all this, he was kind of like hesitant. Okay, well, coming now. Or, okay, but the, but then again, Israel is just that kind of fighter. Um, I feel like Israel has a, he's gonna have a long career, a very successful career. He, he will be a, he will be the champion one day. I th- in my opinion, I, th- I think he might be the champion by next year, um, but um, this fight alone tells because it was it was a fun fight to watch. If you're an MMA fan, it's a fun fight to watch. Um, but I could see where a lot of people who aren't necessarily like you know big MMA fans who don't watch a f- don't watch these fights every weekend, I could see where they look at the fight and kind of just go, eh, it was alright. I could see that. I could see that. Don't get me wrong. And what's unfor- only only unfortunate thing is I feel like Israel Adesanya. Given his his style of you know in and out and not necessarily you know <clears throat> he's not the kind of guy like Con- like Conor McGregor will hurt you and then he'll he'll run in on you and keep fucking you up. I've seen him do that a lot at featherweight. Um, there's a lot of fighters like that. You know they'll fuck they'll hurt you and then they'll just go right in and keep fucking you up because they want because once they see that you're hurt they want to end it right there they want to get home early. Uh, but there are there are fighters like Israel Asanya who go into the fight and they kind of you know they want to pick you apart. If they can, if they can finish you, okay, they'll finish you. But they don't need to. A lot like John Jones, a lot like you know Anderson Silva. They, these are, they're these guys who they have the talent and the speed to pick you apart and not have to pounce on you to finish you really quickly because they know that they can. They know they can go the five rounds. It's whether or not you can keep going the five rounds, getting pieced up the way you're getting pieced up. Um. So yeah, so that's pretty much like what. 
that's pretty much like what I expect from Israel. Like I feel like there are gonna be fights where people are gonna watch it. It'll be a pay per view main event, and they're not gonna be pleased because it's probably you know a slow fight, you know a lot not a lot of action, but that's just the kind of fighter he's gonna be. Um, but I don't think he's gonna have a lot of those. I think he's probably gonna have a few of them. He's gonna have a lot more exciting, you know, back and forth. You know, he knocks a dude out kind of fights, where uh, as a, as opposed to having a lot of stands there, jab jab, jab jab hook, you know, kick here, kick here. I think you're gonna have a lot less of those, but they, but they will be there. Then they're not. It's like he's never gonna have that kind of fight. He's gonna have those kinds of fights. Um, so yeah, so that's um, pretty much all I got for now. Um, I'm hoping to put out another one. Probably Friday. If not Friday, then maybe like early next week. Um, but we'll see though. For now, um, yeah. Deuces, man.